This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago, but those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago, and at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, y'all can say a lot about me. You can call me fat, black, and grouchy until the cows come home. But one thing you'll never say about me is that I smell like hospital, okay? I might smell, look, I don't smell like Labana. I don't smell like St. Jude. I don't smell like Methodist. I don't smell like uh, Baptist East. I don't smell like none of that. I wear the good cologne, okay? It's your weekly roundup episode of me and you, the housewives and Marvel 2. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. It's, of course, Kendrick Tucker, your self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture here with your weekly reality roundup episode. And my God. This is about to start being a jam-packed episode. Not only are we talking about Potomac, of course. You know, for a while we had our all-Potomac episodes. Now we've got The Bachelorette, which we've been covering for about five weeks now, I think. We've brought them into the fold. It's been a good... I've been loving The Bachelorette, not gonna lie. I'm not, Tasia feels a, a whole lot different than, than Claire, and I think it's a good thing. But now we also have... The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I am ready for, oh my God, that that first episode, not only was it an hour and 15 minutes long, it was everything I needed. And I got a couple of hot takes. Y'all might be mad at me, but I'm ready to give them all to you. Before, listen, this <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Let's just go ahead and jump into this, okay? So look. We're going to break this Bachelorette episode down into a couple of key sections. I know you guys are still mad at me for uh, taking that vacation, but don't worry. I'm going to try to cover both episodes in one entirety. So we're going to let's start back with when Claire was still the Bachelorette. So the first kind of big portion of the episode is 
basically Claire quitting. You know, Chris Harrison came in there and he was like, look, what the hell going on? Don't be wasting these people's time. Don't waste my time. Don't waste production's time, even though this will give us uh, probably the highest ratings we never had before with all this good, juicy drama going on and all this Bachelor Nation trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Besides all that, don't play with my time. Claire basically decides to quit. She quits. She declares her love for Dale. Chris Harrison is all in agreement for it. Look, he ready to bring uh, Tasia in. He's like, look, let's get this thing started. She cancels the rose ceremony. She cancels the cocktail party. And she basically asks him for a private date with Dale so that they can just basically get their futures cracking. At this point, she don't give a damn about anybody else in the house. She's just like, look, I'm hoping to get a proposal out of this man tonight. I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, Chris Harrison, a.k.a. Chris Hansen, uh, the, the private eye for molesters. I need you to go and make this happen for me. He basically goes, gets Dale. He tells them all, you know, all this is canceled. Don't worry about the rose ceremony. Don't worry about this. She's very emotional. And Dale, I need you to come with me. Everybody like, now, wait a minute. Why you need just Dale? He don't tell him. He lets Dale go out there. And he basically tells Dale that Claire wants a private date with him. Man, oh, man. Look, Claire said, Fuck the process. I want my man. <laughs> I was about to say another word, but I don't I don't want y'all to think that Claire really said that. Then y'all be boycotting ABC. We go let's move on past that because look, Claire, we we still trying to uh <laughs> we trying to figure out if we like you or not. I'm okay with you, Claire, but the rest of these folk, not so much. What was most kind of hilarious to me was the fact that they sit down for this private date. And it's Claire's turn to basically tell Dale everything about herself, which I'm guessing they haven't done before. That's a little suspect. Y'all getting married, but okay. And so she basically tells him about uh, how her mother and father met. She tells him that uh, they met one time. He proposed within a week and then they were married three months later. All that, that was all Claire needed to know. So she, I guess maybe that's psychologically her way of saying I don't need a long courtship. I'm ready to get this stuff cracking. Basically, maybe that's why she thinks the bachelor and bachelorette process work, even though it's failed her many times before. I, I don't know. I'm not that lady. I'm not her therapist. I can't really tell you what she's thinking, but I can tell you that much. So she does all that justifying. They are sitting there just, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I like that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. He, she going on and on. I'm thinking she's basically trying to get him to, you know, loosen up, tell me how you feel, and to agree with me that we only need to date one time. I can tell you about my daddy and mama the night before you propose to me. All that is good to her. They go on about their business. They get a, a, a live band. I don't know where they came from. This woman popped out the bushes singing. This shit would have scared the hell out of me. I don't like supposedly romantic stuff like that. Look, let me tell y'all right now, if any of my followers or listeners ever want to court me one day, I don't need, I don't like romantic stuff. And I know that sounds crazy as hell, but I don't. I like practical stuff. Don't send me flowers. That's the stupidest thing you can do. Flowers die. I'm just going to put them in the window. I'm going to forget to water them. I might put a little ice or a little aspirin in them if I see them looking a little crazy. Other than that, I'm not messing with no flowers. If you want to send me chocolate, okay, that's a step up. I'm fat. I like chocolate. That's fine. 
if you want to court me, go in my mailbox one day, open my light bill, pay, you know, put some on my light bill. See what Comcast talking about. What what Xfinity charging me this month? Put a hundred on that. You know that that's courting. I don't like all that popping out the bushes, singing, and then we go dance the night away kind of stuff. Eh, whatever. I I just feel like my time can be better spent. The way my mind works, the next big scene was really like it was like a clusterfuck of reality TV random black sitcom it was like literally an episode of wandavision going on in my head i when she goes to basically tell the guys you know the update and give them everything and tell them that it's not fair that she's been just wanting dale it puts so many thoughts in my head one she basically went in there to tell them I got him. You know, my man got two jobs. <laughs> she went to tell them she was hitting him with that Rochelle from Everybody Hates Chris. She wanted to go ahead and just let these guys know, like, look, I'm I'm not feeling this shit. I want to be with him, and I'm really kind of tired of wasting my time. None of y'all will ever live up to the expectations that I want you to. So Dale is just like my, uh, what is it? Dale is just like my father. I'm ready to go ahead and quit this, and I'm ready to get it over with. Was anybody else getting Dream Girls vibes from this scene? I, I listen. That might. I don't know if that's the Beyonce fan in me. I don't know if that's just the random. I watched Hamilton again recently, and now it's got me thinking about musicals. Ness in me. I don't know what it is, but this whole scene <laughs> just screamed, "We are a family." Claire, you know these guys are telling her, you know Claire, we came here looking for love. And we're just, we're not getting what we need. Claire said, what about what I need? These guys said, look, I, I you know, we're, we're really trying here. We're putting it all out there for you. And uh, you're just not giving us the best of you. What's going on? She said, what about what's best for me? They said, look, you're not even taking it to, <laughs> you're not even taking into consideration our feelings. What is going on? She said, what about how I feel? What about me? What about... See, y'all think I'm trying to get a, an American Idol deal on here. I'm really not. I can't sing worth a damn. But if anybody, you know, wants to contact me, anybody from Epic Records or uh, Parkwood, or, you know, so, look, I had to throw Parkwood out there. Anything to get Beyonce's attention, right? I'm, that whole thing just screamed musical to me. I loved every minute, though, because that one guy, listen, I don't even know that man's name. But the one dude, I think he it was the boy band manager, I don't know. He was like, look, you a punk. I'm tired of this. Why Why have you been stringing us around? You've never wanted to even hear us. You only want to talk about Dale. I'm tired of this, and you need to apologize to us. Claire said, apologize to these nuts. I ain't apologizing to nothing. Claire left. She went on uh, to hope that man proposed to her, and the rest of them dudes were just shook i mean face on stuck somebody check on blake moins i still don't know if he okay that man looked like he was ready to jump off the bridge the entire episode somebody check on blake he might have gone ran back to that uh animal wildlife reserve that he works at or i don't know somebody check on him though because he is not okay long story short Dale thinks about it. He goes, he proposes to Claire. They're supposedly getting there happily ever after. They couldn't wait to sh upload that picture on Instagram. 
and ruin it for the people on the West Coast who hadn't seen it yet. Luckily, I'm down south. When when he posted that picture, I had cinched it, okay? I'd already seen it, but the people on the West Coast were like, well, damn, I didn't know none of this was going on. I'm not in Bachelor Nation. It's my first time seeing it. Y'all couldn't wait a, 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 a hot damn minute before y'all posted this? You couldn't post it the next day? Look, West Coast people, I'm sorry. They have no couth, no etiquette, no uh, uh, whatever the hell else you want to say. Their level of bourgeoisie was not there. I don't know. Side note, Claire being so focused on Dale really made me realize that there are some dudes in this house whose name I don't even know. This whole time, I've been telling y'all that I knew everybody's name at this point, how I was really just like happy with myself that this whole time I've been learning all 30 of these dudes' names. And that wasn't the case at all. I didn't realize that this whole show had been so Dale-centric that it was, there's one guy that looks just like Elvis in the house. I think they say his name is Ed, but he looks just like Elvis. This man has been on this show since week one, and I still didn't know his name. He pops up every now and then. I'm like, who the hell is that? It's Ed. Ed, there's an Asian man in the house. I don't know who the, I don't know, still don't know his name. I think it's Joe, but he barely talks. Uh, you know, usually the black people, we picking out all the minorities. We picking, okay, they go to black dude. We go root for him. Okay, well, well he, you know, okay, he Latino. We, you know, he, he, he close enough. We'll root for him too. Okay, Asian. Okay, another minority. Okay, we go root for him too. I couldn't, I didn't even know the Asian dude was on here. I, Joe or what? I, listen. I'm calling this man Joe. I don't know if that's his real damn name. Joe, I'm I'm a hope it's Joe. Maybe it's John or Jackson or Jethro. I don't know. But who an Asian man named Jethro? I wish. Man, look. This is really so now I think I get the frustration that Bachelor Nation has been feeling. Because once Tasia finally arrived, it really does feel like an entirely different show. And me being a first time watcher. I really was kind of unable to comprehend what was so different about the first four or five weeks as opposed to when Tasia arrives or as opposed to what's been going on all these other episodes. But it's really a, a complete 360. Another side note before I move on, that is so funny to talk about, you know, black people us scoping out you know, the black characters, the minority characters. All This is just like, The Bachelorette is really kind of like Family Feud. Now, I'm not necessarily rooting for all the black guys, but I'm kind of rooting for the black guy. Not necessarily that I think they'd make a couple, a good couple, but just because like, you know, on these kind of shows, the black dudes and the black women usually go out kind of early. It's like a horror movie, you know. You you expect a black person to get killed in the opening scene or at least stick around long enough to help the person get to the haunted house, you know. We don't necessarily expect them to stick around that long. It really is like Family Feud, you know. I don't know if white people or people outside of the black community know this, but when black people watch Family Feud, we generally are always rooting for the black family. Now, look, this family could be brand new. There could be some uh, thirteen-week reigning champions. It's always just kind of like, hey, all right, now black folk, what y'all gonna do? What y'all gonna do now? Don't get on here and embarrass us. And then that man get up there and say, "What's uh, what is it? What is a a name that begins with the letter H?" And his ass something about Jose. 
See, that's the kind of shit we talking about. That's why we stop rooting for y'all asses and then we switch over to the white side because y'all talking about some damn Jose when this man asks y'all what name starts with an H. I digress. The talk of the town on social media then kind of shifts between this proposal that no, that everyone was expecting, everyone knew was going to happen, to us getting a new bachelorette. So let me go ahead and tell y'all now. I was so damn excited. I was going around telling everybody, look, I be trying to keep up with way too much stuff at one time, and it always backfires on me. I was going around telling these people, I was like, mama, you got to start watching The Bachelorette. They say uh, Fantasia go be on there next week. I'm like, yeah, when I see you, Fantasia, I'm like, yeah, go ahead and free yourself. Fantasia, you true the Fantasia, you know Fantasia. Sometimes you got to lose the win. Fantasia, you know Fantasia. It's bittersweet, you know Fantasia. She going to be on The Bachelorette. They like, well, I thought she was married. I'm like, well, I, th- I thought she would too, but apparently she's looking for love. I don't know what to tell you. In walks Tasia. Now, see, this is my first season. I hadn't watched Tasia on The Bachelorette yet, so I don't, I didn't, I don't, you know, I only saw like a few moments of Colton season. I didn't really watch it like that. The only intrigue there was around it for me was that he was a virgin, a whole football playing virgin. Now, you know, we don't see too many of those, so I was a, 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 a wee bit intrigued. I won't lie. Tasia. Tasia Adams, a whole different woman in Fantasia Barino, turns out. <laughs> in case y'all didn't know, Fantasia Barino and, Fan- and, and Tasia Adams are two different people. Tasia walked in, and you know, before this, everybody was kind of like, you know, I don't, I just feel so hurt. I'm so, you know, I don't know what to do. And all that. Uh, Tasia walked in, and everybody was smiling from ear to ear. As my country ass, ghetto ass auntie would say, they were in there smiling like chess cats, not Cheshire cats, a chess cat. People down south, I don't know what it is about chess cat. I don't know if they just don't want to pronounce the word, but my auntie would always say, look at that boy over there just just smiling like a chess cat. She would get so mad when she would babysit us. And we would be in there laughing all day long. You know, when you and, and 30 of your cousins go over to your auntie or your grandmama house and all of y'all laughing all day, you know, them adults get so damn mad. They'll call your mama. These kids ain't been doing nothing all day except laughing like some damn chess cats. Just, 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 just smiling like some chess cats. I'm sick of it. Come get your kids. You know, all like that. You Why is it that adults hate to see kids happy? See? I'm getting off topic. Let me quit because we got uh, 38 of the shows to get through and I'm not trying to be up all damn night editing this, okay? She starts introducing herself and, you know, how excited she is to get to know the guys, all this kind of stuff, yada, yada. They're starting to pull her aside. You know, the, the typical uh, cocktail party kind of stuff. They're taking her aside. And during Brendan's 101, now Brendan is the one with the nice eyes and the curly hair. He's the one that's featured throughout this entire episode. He finally getting a little shine because during Claire's season, he wasn't getting shit. But, you know, during that time, Chris Hansen, hating ass, comes out of nowhere and basically walks Tasia off and tells her, you thought we were just going to let you have 16 guys to pick from? Well, no, you actually get 20. You giving that lady four more. Now, you gave Claire 
72 men to pick from and that Claire uh, Tasia get 20. See, that's why E News and all the people were talking about her sloppy seconds. You know what? But she got four new dudes to pick from. They pull up in the limo. They all yelling, we love you, Tasia. Oh, my God. All that kind of stuff. And so then we get to meet the four new men that are getting there with the other 16 to compete for Tasia. Let's go ahead and run down these four new dudes that are here to compete with Fantasia. <laughs> I'm probably call this lady Fantasia all season long. I'm going to try not to. Let me respect this damn lady. The four new men that are here to compete for Tasia's affection. The first one out of the limo is Spencer. Now, Spencer is probably the best looking pedophile you will ever see in your life. Tasia said, fuck a pedophile. This motherfucker is hot, hot. Hot, her words, not mine. The boys instantly hate Spencer because he comes in kind of cocky and uh, they have no problem calling him out on his cockiness and they also don't have no problem busting him in the goddamn lip, but that's a, a story for another day. Spencer, rubbing everybody wrong, but clearly is on Tasia's hot list because he's the one that gets the first impression rose. Not one of the 16 that have been there uh, getting stomped on by Claire, but one of the new men right out of the, uh, the limo. The next guy we see is Montel. Montel has a great smile, uh, nice hair. You know, he got his lineup real nice. He had the, uh, you, can, you can tell when people use like that, the real kind of fuzzy brush to brush out the top of the hair, which is so random, but you know, but I, I love it. Had the nice pink blazer. Other than that, the producers paid him dust because we didn't really see no more of him in that episode. So I'm guessing we don't need to expect to see too much more of him throughout the season. Then we get to Peter. Hi, Peter. Peter has that strong nose. Ew. He, uh, But his ass was pretty much paid dust too for the rest of the episode. They, you know, <laughs> Peter popped up with some glasses one time. That was, that was about all we saw of him. And then the last one, who we get to see a little bit throughout the episode, a little more, mostly in the end credits when they roasting his ass, is Noah. Noah with the porn star mustache, a.k.a. porn stash from uh, Orange is the New Black. He gave Fantasia, listen, <laughs> he gave Tasia that stethoscope to hear his heart. Now, look, that would have, what's the word? That would have given me so much anxiety don't be getting out this limo with your own stethoscope and having me stick it in my ear. I was looking at that. I was, uh, Tasia, don't put that in your ears. You don't know what that man has been doing with that. It's COVID. We in the middle of a damn pandemic. Are you sitting up here sticking strangers stethoscopes in your ear? You nasty. Now, see, now I'm judging you. And then you sitting up here kissing all these men, which I wanted you to do. But now I'm not so sure because all y'all might have COVID after you stuck them uh stethoscopes all in your ears and stuff and i see that y'all not practicing social distancing that's okay do whatever y'all want to do i'm i'm not your mama your daddy your grandmammy i'm not none of that i'm not uh i'm not mary cosby's grandmama either or her granddaddy husband i'm just a man that uh is real 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 anxious about what he's looking at on tv in this damn pandemic whatever not my concern let's move on 
the rest of the episode is basically just highlighting how cute Brendan is and how good him and Tasia look together. They talk about their little connection. They've both been divorced before, so they understand what they've gone through and, you know, all this kind of uh, what you call hubba belub and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But before I switch over to Potomac, I need to give the ABC producers a little warning. Y'all do this censorship when they're cursing and you need to be a little careful. Other networks, you can kind of tell what the person is saying, but the way y'all bleep out, I don't know if it's the kind of sensor y'all using or what it is, but I literally thought about three times during this episode that different white dudes were saying the N word when y'all were bleeping them out. And I was like, wait a minute, what what type of stuff ABC on? This ain't Big Brother. <laughs> now, you know they racist on Big Brother, but I thought y'all was okay on The Bachelorette. Now, y'all got me watching. I, I don't know now. One of the guys said, uh, talking about Spencer, he walked in and, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on. He looked like he's here just to be a man. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, he here to be what? I had to rewind. He's here to be a man. Oh, okay. I, I guess. All right. <laughs> Whatever y'all do, ABC. I, if you like it, I love it. But if you get some letters from the NAACP or BET or uh, the Soul Network own or Ian Van Zant <laughs> or the ghost of uh, Maya Angelou, uh, that's on you. I ain't got nothing to do with that. I warned you. I did my part. That's my civic duty. That's all I can do. Let's move the hell on to Potomac. Potomac remained pretty consistent with the topics that they were talking about over those past two episodes. You know, this is where they find out they're going to Portugal and then they're actually in Portugal. So let's just, you know, I like to, when I deal with some of the housewives, I like to take just kind of some bigger, broader questions to talk about the episodes. The first one I want to talk about is Giselle versus Karen. Now, that's been the battle. <laughs> that's been like the iconic Housewives battle since they first began. We know Karen and Giselle are the best frenemies this world will ever see. We get to kind of see the women's impressions about Giselle's relationship with Jamal. Now, this is so important because they feel like Jamal basically, in the words of Karen, lives in the phone, he's never around, yada, yada, yada. Am I the only one, and I think I am, based on social media, but am I the only one that kind of feels like this is a bit ridiculous? I understand, like, if she was dating, if it was like Sherman or, you know, one of these other guys we've seen her with in the past that she's dated that's been local, I would definitely understand that, like, okay, none of these guys are coming with you to events, these people have never seen him. You know, you and Robin don't uh, kiki with him on a Saturday when y'all go out to brunch and get drunk off them mimosas. And then he the one that take y'all home. Y'all know how y'all do. You know, it was nothing. I don't know. It It was weird to me that they expect so much out of someone that's long distance. Like they're dating. And this guy is all the way in Atlanta, Georgia. She's in Washington, D.C., I understand that like he comes there and they go there to visit him. But it's weird to me that friends, especially some of whom are just basically coworkers, would expect this man to give any of his time to them as opposed to 
the woman he's trying to rebuild a life with and his children. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. Like, I understand they're probably the way Giselle reacted and the way that Karen was, you know, basically getting shut down by Giselle. It makes me think it was a little production interference, which I always appreciate because Karen and Giselle, they pretty much do their jobs. I'll never discredit a housewife for doing her job. I'm always pro job. So y'all keep doing your job. This was, I rarely ever like get on social media just to look at the comments and gauge the temperature about how fans feel about characters. Because honestly, I don't, I don't like if Bravo basically just takes the fans at their word regarding how they feel about a character. Cause you know, let me explain that first. So the fans of Beverly Hills loved Teddy Mellencamp, her first season. Then all of a sudden she became annoying. And then Teddy got two more seasons because y'all loved her so much. But y'all kept calling her boring. A person like Dr. Wendy, who comes in, is not afraid to get into it with the main housewife, who y'all feel is Karen. It's actually Giselle, but you know, they will call them the main housewives. But it's crazy to me that y'all actually would root against like a Dr. Wendy or something like that and then risk getting rid of her and then them bringing in a more even-tempered Teddy-type character and then y'all bored with her with for four or five more seasons on Potomac. That's neither here nor there. I say all of that to say I get on there and every now and then to kind of gauge if people feel the same way I feel about an argument. It seems like people were really focusing on the fact that they kind of felt like Giselle was getting what she deserved. Basically, she was being put in her place because she's always in other people's business. So now it's your turn to be in the hot seat. And then Giselle was basically swinging at everybody that was coming at her, which would, you know, it, it, I, I definitely understand that. <laughs> they funny. Those two women right there are funny as hell. I think Karen really just want to light the fire and then let the other women do the work. <laughs> That's really that kind of Kenya Moore mentality. I'm not really mad at you, Karen, for that, but who the oh, child. Let's go on to talk about was Robin wrong for not taking Giselle's side in that argument? I personally don't feel like just because you're best friends with someone you always have to take their side, whether they're right or wrong. We see this a lot on Housewives. When people, you know, feel ganged up on, they always look to the person that they're closest with and see if they're silent or if they're doing all the talking. Silence or talking against them usually results in bad things. The one thing I love about Robin and Giselle more than any other Housewives duo is that every single time they have a problem with each other, which is, super rare. I think this is the second notable time that they've had an issue, uh, even as small as this, a small issue with each other. They've resolved it either within the same episode or the next episode. Giselle is always willing to offer Robin an apology because she feels like that is her real friend, their besties, you know, all this kind of stuff. But getting some of these women to apologize to each other that they're across, you know, that they're on different reunion couches from is like pulling teeth. Like you are not gonna get them to apologize. Robin and Giselle though, always apologize no matter what. Not only because I think they 
one, love each other as friends. They've always seen the benefit of the friendship, but I also think they see the benefit of them being allies on this show too. You know, I love those green eye bandits. This is one of those cases where they're, I don't think we'll ever see them just fall out or beef for too long because I think they really recognize the power that they have as a duo. Now, when I say that there are some other people like most notably recently, we've seen like who, like we've seen Kyle and Teddy being a duo on what is it? Beverly Hills kind of boring, but Teddy was always ride or die for Kyle, no matter what, even though they were great friends in real life, that's very beneficial on the show. She didn't have, Teddy didn't have to really worry about, uh, not having someone having her back in a fight. And Kyle didn't have to worry about that either because Teddy was going to always jump in and just kind of defend her no matter what, blindly or whatever it is. Think about Stephanie and Brandy in Dallas. They do the exact same thing. They are best friends off camera and on camera. It is always better to have a duo on a Housewives show than a, a fickle friend. And so I think Robin and Giselle just like, every other duo uh, across the housewives. New York is a bit of an exception though. You could say Ramona and Sonia, but they'll fall out every other week. So that's not really a good example, but it, it, you know, I think they, all these housewives see the benefit of it. And so I think that's why this whole was Robin wrong for not taking Giselle's side thing was a lot more blown up than it should have been. They made up within 10 minutes of them. I think we went to commercial you know, they was playing the uh the huggies and uh you know the, the blue the blue period water tampon commercials and then they were back and Robin and Giselle had made up. So that's barely even an issue. We can move on and we don't have to worry about that until maybe season six or seven. Are y'all tired of hearing about Dr. Wendy's degrees? I think literally I'm the only person in America that doesn't mind it at all. You know I love if I don't love nothing else. I love an opinionated, smart, super educated black woman. If I don't love nobody else, I love that. So I'm I'm pro Wendy screaming it to the rooftops. I mean, just think about how many other real housewives constant sayings we've had to sit through throughout the years. Think about how often we have to hear about cabaret every time we watch the real housewives in New York. Or think about how often we have to hear about Skinny Girl or whatever kind of new product that Bethany is slinging. Or, you know, we we hear about so much being synonymous with so many housewives that I don't mind Wendy talking about another what I feel is another huge accomplishment. You know how long you got to go to school to get four degrees, a bachelor's, two master's, and a doctorate? A PhD. Do you know how long you got to go to school for that? I do you know how much debt you got to be in after that? Trust me, I know. Listen, a Navy and Sally may be on my ass like back pockets. Do you hear me? I'm not, I, I'm I'm all for it, Doctor Wendy. Keep talking about your degrees. I'm not mad at it at all. Now the rest of America, they go disagree. So you might want to stop talking about this shit. But if you come over my house. We'll talk about it all day long. I'm not mad at you. One thing that I, my probably favorite thing about these past two episodes 
was hearing Dr. Wendy talk about how she got her name. Stories like that really make you appreciate the small stuff in life. Like literally people out there are working three times as hard as you to get three thirds of what you have. Like, I don't know if that math makes sense, but y'all know what the hell I meant. It's crazy that I literally, like, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I stress so much at work because my industry, I think I've told y'all this before, has been basically obliterated during COVID and is restarting from scratch. My industry, so I work in the hospitality industry, and it's really, you know, if people can't travel, there's no need for them to stay in hotels. So we're really kind of rebuilding and, you know, we're seeing all this, uh, this shift from group business to transient business, which is like people going and booking their own like hotels and, you know, they're not, uh, going with groups of people to stay places. They're going on these like little private outings and stuff like that. And, you know, the big money is really in the group business. So we've been kind of seeing a rebuilding of all this and, It's just like hearing that story really kind of puts stuff in perspective. For those of you that didn't watch or just love hearing it, Wendy wanted to open up to the ladies about her past. And so she told them about her immigrant parents. She said that her father, when he came here, loved his job. He loved working and he worked his way up to manager. And he was so happy to have that job that he said that I'm just so appreciative. I'm going to name my daughter after this company. And of course that company is Wendy's. Everybody was shocked. I mean, I love, don't you just, that is like the embodiment of the American dream. The fact that you can witness someone being so happy about having a fast food job and then going on to raise one daughter who's a medical doctor and another daughter who's a PhD, that is insane. Like that goes to show you, it doesn't care what kind of background you come from. You can really do anything you want to do. You can raise your children to be anything they want to be. We need to borrow, Americans as a whole, we might need to borrow something from the Nigerian community because they got it going on right now. Now, look, don't get it confused with them scammers who be trying to scam y'all ass out of money. If you go to the clubs, you know what I mean. I ain't been to a club in a while, so I haven't gotten scammed by anybody. But y'all, listen, you down south, motherfucker, y'all know who I mean. Y'all ain't stupid. Y'all know. Anyway, let me stop being all uh prideful and sentimental. Let me talk about Ashley ass. Was Ashley Darby wrong? for writing that story about Candace for Monique's legal team? The short answer is, hell yeah. The long answer is, hell yeah. Ashley, one, you don't have a dog in this fight either way. You should have stayed out of this shit no matter what. Now, you sitting up there telling these people about how you supposedly got attacked with a butter knife last year and you equating that to that lady dragging her by that uh very intact wig <laughs> all across that barn and robin had to hold them people table together because y'all was about to break them folks shit 
Now, see that? Ashley, you starting to piss me off a little bit. That's some low-down, dirty stuff to do. You and that girl were supposedly gotten on good terms, and now all of a sudden, any chance you get, you sticking up for Monique. And which is fine. You know, we all want to defend our friends no matter what. But everything about Ashley's rationale behind everything, behind why she is Team Monique and why she basically is anti-Candace, it's all pretty stupid. Like saying that the Samuels could have lied, that's kind of dumb, Ashley. If they good people, they're not going to lie. I don't understand how that is translating to you having to write a legal defense for somebody else and how Candace is somehow the bad guy for Monique possibly going to jail in front of her children. None of that makes sense to me. That whole rationale of, well, Candace shouldn't have done that because she might go to kid, she might go to jail and her kids might see her go. Or let's look at this more logically. Monique could have kept her hands to herself and then she wouldn't have had to risk someone pressing charges against her and going to jail. I mean, I'm just saying, look, I know some of y'all are team Candace. Some of y'all are team Monique. Regardless, this, the level of blaming that's going on for every decision that's for every basically repercussion that's happening to Monique. It's a little, I hate to say gaslighting, gaslighting. Here's some gas. Here's some lighting. Lisa Renner, that's the only shout out you will ever get on this podcast. You helpful. You know, I don't fuck with you, Lisa Renner. Y'all, as usual, Potomac gave what needed to be given. They always do. But let's move on to our our new obsession the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. My God, my God, what a premiere it was. I loved everything about this. And I was trying to think, how should I approach talking about them on the podcast? Doing the big questions wouldn't make sense because y'all don't know the characters. So I think I'm going to kind of dive into each one of the characters just briefly. Just kind of first impressions. And then I'm going to tell y'all what it appears like we're in for the rest of the season kind of the big overarching uh, issues, even based on the trailer, based on the first episode, that it looks like we're going to keep encountering. And I want to go ahead and start off by saying, Jen versus Mary, it looked like it's going to give what needs to be given. I'm all about Jen, and I'm damn sure all about Mary. Now, I know some of y'all looking at me crazy as hell, saying Mary is gross, she's disrespectful, she married that man that was fucking her grandmama. But listen, that ain't got nothing to do with me. I don't got to sleep with them people, okay? That's Mary business. But let me go ahead and just kind of run down the six main characters that you'll be hearing about or seeing on this show. And then we'll dive into those kind of big overarching uh, issues or plot lines, storylines, whatever you want to call it. First up, we've got the Queen Bee MVP of SLC, Miss Jen Shaw. Now, Jen is Tongan, Hawaiian, Chinese, but she's black in Utah because Utah. Now, <laughs> somebody got to find out her son's, her oldest son's Instagram account because 
uh, we trying to do some research. Look, they say in college he playing football. Listen, this ain't even about that man. This is about Jen Shaw <laughs> and uh, what she's given, and if it's if what she's given needs to be gave. She's uh, not. I was about to say she's Islam. What is she? Muslim. She's Muslim because the Mormons didn't accept black people into the seventies. Her husband and her children are black. So she doesn't feel like she needs to be Mormon at all. Am I here for it? I am. Do I consider her black? I do right now because listen, I'm gonna let you have it. Okay. (laughs) We, you know, I'm one of those people where if you are kind of racially ambiguous and you were raised, you know, in a certain culture, I give you a lot of leniency when it comes to a lot of things, you know? So like someone like Jen, I don't necessarily consider her black, but I let, I, how do you say this? You know what? I don't know. We just go set a gym black enough for the show. How about that? <laughs> we consider her. If I had to count the number of black people on Salt Lake City, I'd set one and a half. How about that? Mary being the one. So then uh, we find out that she has a lot of assistance. Now, I don't know what in the Sonia Morgan hell is going on and why she needs so many assistants and why all of them are older than her. But we might figure it out, you know, later on in the season. I won't give nothing away because I don't know nothing. <laughs> so we'll figure that out. And I need somebody to tell me because I'm I'm not understanding what you need all these damn assistants for. I mean, I get they, they loaded. They got a whole lot of money. That house is the biggest house. Damn it. I've seen. So go ahead, Jen. I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm liking what you're giving. Next up, Heather. Now, Heather worth about 20 million. She has a little beauty uh laser you know they botox that kind of center she was married into like mormon royalty but then she got booted out because she got divorced now look a lot of y'all were going up for heather but then a lot of y'all listen it was a different communities you know we we see things differently sometimes heather i actually was on heather's side with this i got what she was trying to say heather made the statement A good Mormon doesn't drink. A good Mormon doesn't smoke. A good Mormon doesn't swear. She said, well, I've tried not to drink, tried not to smoke, tried not to swear. I love black men. I love rap music. I love homosexuals. I'm not in alignment with being a Mormon. And so some people kind of took that as, well, wait, what is black or being homosexual? You know, why are those the bad, quote unquote, bad things you chose? Well, I get what she's saying. The Mormon religion, you know, Jen told us enough before Heather came. The Mormon religion wasn't accepting of any of those things. They just started becoming accepting of black people. So they deemed, not Heather, they deemed us that way. Heather's saying, look, I love y'all black asses, okay? <laughs> Don't be mad at me. I love y'all black asses. I get what you're trying to say, Heather. And I actually like the way you carry yourself and you deliver your points across. And I like that you and Jan are kind of best friends. And I like that you're cousins with Whitney because, look, I'm from Memphis. You know I got 511 cousins. So anybody that got cousins and a cousin that's on the show, y'all are giving me 
Real Housewives in New York. Y'all are giving me uh with the family stuff. Y'all are giving me New Jersey. I'm liking what y'all giving right now. Okay. We then get to meet Meredith. Now look, <laughs> two uh, two of y'all look too much alike for me. We'll talk about them when we get to Lisa. Okay, Meredith. The main thing you need to know is that her son Brooks is the star of this show. Brooks ain't having it with y'all asses. Okay. <laughs> Brooks is like me. Brooks came upstairs. They asked him, are you ready? That boy said, I've been ready for half an hour. Listen, I'm that person in my family. If my family tells me, you know, my family, I mean my aunts, my cousins, you know, all of them. If they tell me to be at a restaurant because we eating at 8 o'clock, I'm there at 7.59. I'm apologizing if I arrive at 8.01. I don't like being late to places where us being there is a requirement. My family will show up 8.30, 8.45, have me out there looking like a damn fool. I I didn't put our name on the list. They, you know, our little people buzzing. I'm like, oh, girl, give me another one. They ain't here yet. Look, it's going to be in. She's like, well, sir, the wait is uh, an hour and a half now. Damn. Well, let me just sit down and hold it. No, sir, we can't do that. Well, what can you do? Y'all can sit at the bar. I'm not sitting at the damn bar. We got a baby with us. Well, sir, I don't know what you want us to do. And then they come running in at the last minute, stressing me the hell out. See, that's kind of stuff I'm talking about. But we're talking about Brooks. We're not talking about me. And I'm not talking about uh, Vicky Gunvalson, lying-ass Brooks, the one that faked cancer and Megan King Edmonds uh, uh, dusted his ass when she spread his business all over the news. See that? Let me stop. We find out that Meredith has a store that I don't know if it's only popular for three months out of the year, but apparently it attracts a lot of celebrity names. She mentioned like, uh, the Black Widow and Rihanna and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know. When I told my, uh, when I told like my followers on Instagram that I was having a whole lot of trouble telling Meredith and Lisa apart, somebody commented and said, well, Meredith is the one that looks like Caitlyn Jenner. Now look, I don't know if that was supposed to be a read or if that was supposed to be a compliment. I wasn't sure how to take that. But then when he said it, all I see is Caitlyn Jenner now. So let's go ahead. Because of that, let's go ahead and move on to her twin, Lisa. Now, Lisa and Meredith, one of y'all is going to have to dye y'all hair if y'all want to keep being on this show. So I'm thinking, okay, look, you know, I never, I never turn nobody down without, you know, giving y'all some options. So Meredith... I'm thinking maybe you rock like the the Wednesday Adams look, you know, the long, or maybe like the Naomi uh, part of the middle, long black down the side. You know, that's basically the, the Wednesday Adams. And then Lisa, maybe you do like Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, Mother of Dragon, Breaker of Chains. You know, I I need I need something to differentiate y'all. But when I figured out that Lisa was gonna be one of my favorites. Lisa, you are me, and me is you. Let me tell you why. I have never related to a housewife as much as, there have been a couple times, but I've never related to a housewife as much as I have with Lisa and her family going to all these different restaurants to pick up food. If that ain't me on a Friday night, I don't know what is. 
Lisa, they stopped at Taco Bell because she wanted a Baja Blast, some nacho fries, and a Gordita Crunch. Then they had to go to Wendy's because the son wanted a Frosty. You know, he wanted a little piece of chicken nugget. Make sure it's spicy. Don't give me no damn regular-ass nuggets. Make sure they're spicy. If you ain't got spicy, make sure you give me the Asiago chicken sandwich with a little cup of chili on the side. You know, something like that. And then they had to go to Sonic's because they were getting slushes. They were getting uh, uh, chili cheese fries, burgers. All ca- I'm talking about by the time they had gotten home, them people had six or seven restaurants in their car. When I lived in Indianapolis, this was literally me every single Friday night. I would dodge my friends because they want to go out to the bars. I was like, uh-uh, let's do that Saturday night. I'm not feeling that tonight. Let's do it tomorrow. So we do that on Saturday nights. Friday nights, I was going up the street. I wanted to give me a little bit of payway. You know, I wanted that uh, honey chicken and shrimp with the brown rice and the, uh, the wontons. Then I had to stop by uh, my favorite place, Boogie Burger, because they had the milkshake I like. And then I might want a little piece of fry on the side, you know. And then coming up the street, you know, I had to stop at Wendy's. You know, I might want a little cup of chili later on. You know, it, you know, it'd be a whole thing. And then, you know, besides, you know, you're thinking like, okay, well, I don't know if I want all of this. I might want a little piece of wing too. So then you got to stop at your favorite wing spot, get you some wings. It'd be a whole thing. And I've never related to the only other time I've related to a housewife this much was when Tinsley fell asleep in that bed with that lasagna or that spaghetti or whatever it was just sitting in the corner. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten drunk and woken up and it was just a whole ass plate of food sitting over there in the bed. Who the hell was eating in this bed? Motherfucker, you were eating in this bed. You don't act like somebody broke into your house and ate in your bed. Mother that was you. You you did it. You don't blame nobody else. You Next up, we got Whitney. Now, look, you can't tell me that Whitney didn't come on this show to get divorced. Anybody that's bold enough to have their first episode on reality TV as a vow renewal, oh, you bold. I don't know one vow renewal that's worked out in anybody's benefit on reality TV. Child, think about Ramona and Mario up in New York. You see how that shit turned out one or two seasons later. That man had uh, a a woman half her age all in the Berkshire. Oh, shit. Uh, listen, had that woman uh running through his house like the Tomb Raider, <laughs> butt naked all in the Hamptons. And they, y'all talking about a vow renewal, I guess. I'd get, Whitney, I don't know if you've never seen reality TV before or what, but... Maybe Heather can tell you something since y'all cousins. I don't know. But look, I like Whitney's story. Whitney basically cheated. Her and her husband cheated and they got together, but they've been together for over 10 years. So like their family has been like super mad at them this whole time. They got married. The people showed up to the wedding though, but all of them were like, look, I'm just here because you family. I don't like what you did. You nasty half up, but I'm here anyway. But now, fast forward 10 years later, and they're all here for it. They love her husband. They uh, they love the fact that she gets up at that wedding dress, and she gets on the stripper pole. She was like, listen, Whitney ain't new to that stripper pole. She was up there like Black China used to be. You know, Black China used to do the thing on the pole. Whitney was up there spinning and twirling, balleting and plieing and uh, tussie rolling and lollipopping. All on that damn pole. I was like, go ahead, Whitney. Okay. 
I'm not mad at you, Whitney, and I'm not talking about Houston either. Whitney, you did that. You might now see you were kind of quiet this episode, besides the fact that you're on that stripper pole the way you were. But I I think I see it for you, Whitney. I think if you you know you get a little more vocal, I think you could be our Sonia more our Sonia Morgan of Salt Lake City. I I think I see it for you, Whitney. The last wife we get to meet is the one I have been dying to meet. And I'll be honest with you, it was the biggest payoff for me. I know we were all ready to go up for Jen and Heather and all, but look, Mary, even though I've been personally victimized by Mary, I have been blocked on social media by Mary. I ain't even did none of that lady, but we gonna let that slide. Mary, I'll cuss you out if I ever see you in person. But Mary, I go up for Mary. Mary, I am here for you. You ain't got to listen. I'm not even mad about you marrying that man. Okay. For those of you who don't know and have been living under a rock, Mary is the one who married her step grandfather to keep some kind of inheritance in the house. She, according to her, her grandmother said, if I die, marry one of my girls because they'll actually look out for you. So they refer to this as an arranged marriage. Now, how true that is, I don't know. I, it, but you know, basically she would have stood to lose between 10 to 20 million dollars. The side note, I told my mom, I told my mother came over here while I was watching this episode and we were talking about it. And I said, well, look at this woman. She's the one who married her step grandfather. My mom said, married her step. That is nasty. You don't, that man probably raised you. What, who, who, where are y'all finding these women at? I said, well, she did it because they said she would have uh, not been able to inherit the business and she would have lost between 10 and $20 million. My mama said, well, hey, move over, grandpa. I'm getting in the bed with you. <laughs> I know that's right. I ain't wouldn't like, look. We ain't going to be stupid and let no money slide, Mary. I'm not mad at you. You nasty, but I ain't mad at you. I'm going a, I'm to a judge you, but I ain't going to judge you too much. I never judge you on some shit I do, okay? Do you hear me? Do you hear what I am saying? Shout out to Portia Williams. Look, Salt Lake City, y'all were giving a lot. It looks like we're going to have two big main storylines going on this season. The first one has to do with Lisa versus Heather. So apparently they used to go to school together. Heather really likes Lisa, but Lisa is the one that's doing the mean girl stuff. Like, you know, I don't know her. I'm not calling Mariah Carey a mean girl. Mariah Carey has the best catalog in music in the history of music. And I'm not about to argue with any of y'all about that fact. Okay. But Lisa is doing all this mean girl stuff. And I don't know her. I don't remember her like that. I just remember that she used to take her top off. Woo! Girls gone wild, all that kind of stuff. And it looks like from the trailer, this is going to be a big point of contention. But the main big thing is it looks like Jen and Mary, because of this whole, I smell like a hospital. Uh, listen, <laughs> that was the big point of the episode. We find out that the relationship between Jen and Mary is strained because apparently Jen had a sick uh, relative and uh, it was her aunt. She loves her aunt. Her aunt raised her. But her aunt, like, had both legs amputated. And while she was in the hospital, I guess uh, Jen 
had some people over just like to comfort her or whatever. And while Jen was out of the room, Mary said that it smelled like hospital in there. You know, that's a black, that's a real black thing to say. So I wasn't mad at, <laughs> I wasn't mad at her about that. You know, black people, you go to the hospital, you're like, ooh, uh, wait a minute. What is, uh-uh, I need to go. I, I smell like hospital. Let me go home. I'm going to sit there while I take me a nap. I'm going to eat, get a little shower, and then I'll be back later on. Me and Junebug, we'll come up here. I'll get him to bring me. So you ain't got to worry about your car and all like that kind of stuff. Smelling like hospital is the normal thing to say. Now, does that make it less hurtful? No. I'm sure you're still hurting. But it looks like this is about to be the whole confrontation because that last scene of this episode Mary, when I tell you she was getting off in asses left and right, Mary was not playing with them. Mary said, look, I didn't make your auntie uh, get her legs amputated. She was only 60. Why didn't she have a better diet? Mary called that girl over there just to dismiss her. She said, well, you come here. Did I tell you that? And she said, yeah, you told me. Well, yeah, I did say it. So what, motherfucker? I, you know what, Mary? I go up for you, Mary. You rude, you mean, you kind of delusional, you rich, you uh, live in your own world, you confrontational. That is the perfect makings of a housewife. That has housewife written all over it. My neck is starting to stiffen. Let me let y'all go. <laughs> I've been rambling for God knows how long now, and I'm tired of it. Listen, I go up for Salt Lake City. You know I go off for of Potomac because I love everything Potomac. And right now, it's kind of seeming like, I didn't even think about this. There might be a point in time where I'm talking about the Bachelorette, Potomac, Salt Lake City, and the Real Housewives of Atlanta all on one episode. If that's the case, I'm going to have to get some Mercury Chrome or... Uh, 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 some uh, thorough flu or some uh, something to relax my damn throat because this, whew, I can't imagine. Look, I don't have a partner doing this damn show with. It's just me talking. My damn throat muscles are tightening up. My uh, larynx is, I don't know where the larynx is, but I don't know, my kidney uh, splitting. It's a lot of stuff going on. But listen, what were your thoughts on all of these episodes do you think Claire and Dale are going to live happily ever after? Do you think that Karen and Giselle will ever become friends? Or do you think that Ashley is going to get busted upside her head for telling that story to the judge? Or what do you think of Salt Lake City? You already know I want to know everything. Email me at housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com and follow me. You know we have the best time on Instagram. We laugh all day long whenever I need a break. From my stressful-ass job, I get on Instagram, I look at y'all's comments, I look at the DMs. Y'all are hilarious as hell. We have a good time. Follow me on Instagram at Housewives Marvel Podcast. Leave me a comment, hit the follow button, send me a DM. I don't care what you do. I'll give you some other great people to follow. Leave me a review on uh, Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen. Do it all. I love all of y'all so much for listening. And, of course, like always... I'll see ya.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.